Welcome to the Well-Balanced 360 Podcast, where we dive into the latest and best tips on medicine and spirituality to help you master your health and overcome your fears so that you can feel your absolute best. I'm your host, Dr. Shivani, a licensed medical doctor, a yoga nerd, and a wellness enthusiast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be here. Now let's dive in. On this episode, I'm joined by Miriam Elise, a licensed acupuncturist, certified tantric yoga and intimacy coach to talk about the connection between sex and spirituality. Thank you for joining me today, Miriam. I'm so excited to have you on. Before we get started, I would love for you to just give us a little bit of your background and how you got into coaching and teaching yoga. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to see you again and great to be here with you. My background, how I got into all of this, I started at a young age. I learned meditation actually in eighth grade from a recovered alcoholic who came to teach alternative ways to heal from drug addiction to our school, which was amazing. And he taught us meditation. And that was the first time that I really understood that I could go deeper inside myself to change my experience of reality. And that was really helpful for me at that time. I was actually going home every day and meditating because I found my happy place kind of inside myself, inside my imagination. But what it wasn't doing was letting me integrate that into my daily life, right? So I had a split reality, my imagination, and then the challenges that I was experiencing in my life. And it wasn't until I started practicing yoga, which was at around the age 15, that I had this aha moment. I was like, oh my God, I can bring that into my body. I can bring that feeling of expansion and bliss that I have in meditation into my body through my breath. And it changed so much in the way that I felt as a young woman, my confidence, and especially my sexual confidence, just by feeling at home in my body and feeling like I don't have to hide the bigness of my movements and I don't have to hide my beauty and my grace. It was really groundbreaking for me at that point. And when I went on, that would definitely guided me towards wanting to study holistic medicine. I became an acupuncturist. And in my studies of acupuncture, I actually learned Tantra yoga. And I was like, this is amazing. It's not only yoga, but it's teaching me how to use my sexual energy, which I've always had a lot of. It's teaching me how to use that in a way that's actually beneficial for my healing and beneficial for my sense of self, my confidence, the way that I move, the way that I relate. It's not overtly sexual. I'm not trying to get anything with that energy. It's more just this amazing thing that I can use like nutrients almost. So that's like a quick background. And I became so fascinated with the intersection of health and healing that I was learning through acupuncture and sexuality, sacred sexuality, and kind of tantric philosophy. And so that's how I started my business, Pleasure as Medicine. That's incredible. And tantra yoga and yoga, what is the difference between the two of them? Tantra yoga is yoga, but it's more the whole experience of what yoga kind of started off as in India. So it includes mantra and mudra, which is hand positions. Mantra is vocal incantations that we're using to call upon certain energies in the body and postures, the asana, obviously, and also using sexual energy as a part of your vitality. So it's kind of including the whole 
Whereas the way we practice yoga in the West is very asana based. It's very physical postures, fitness, trying to get that yoga butt or whatever people do yoga for. (laughs) And tantra yoga is more about the whole of your being, having a practice to not just manage your energy, but to build your energy with your conscious intention. So to kind of create yourself as you want to be. And you mentioned something about breath work. Is there a certain type of breath work you utilize when you're coaching your clients? There are so many types of breath work and breath work can be used for multiple different things. You can use your breath to calm you. You can use your breath to energize you. You can use your breath to kind of digest uncomfortable experiences. You can use your breath to wake up certain energies in your body and to kind of activate your own electricity. And a lot of this tantra yoga is learning how to activate your own electricity so that you have more power in your nervous system to use, right? And breath work can really help manage the challenges that happen once we start to wake up. More electricity, more shakti, as they say in tantric traditions in your body, because also what can happen is having more emotions, you being less emotionally grounded, feeling more, right? Your intuition gets awakened. And what happens when you feel more, you feel more good and bad, so to speak. You feel more of the beauty of life and more of the pain of life. So breath work can really help integrate your human experience. And everything from breath of fire, which they teach in most common yoga practices, to a deeper kind of kundalini yoga type breath work, where you're actually inducing a trance state through hyper-oxygenating the body. And then, yeah, it's very good for your body. It helps alkalize your tissues. So it helps bring more oxygen into your tissues and can kind of make you feel high. It's a really healthy way to get high. And that state, so merging, right, the spiritual with the body, you can use that state to actually find grounding and focus and pray from. You teach a lot about sexuality and spirituality, and there's such a fine line between them. Do you think you can kind of explain to the audience in layman terms what the connection kind of is between the two? I love that you say that because most people aren't going to just understand that, that there's a fine line between sexuality and spirituality, right? Like most people think that spirituality is up here. It happens out there in the sky. There's God out there and there's me inside this little human body. And sexuality is something that's considered to be more of this primal, kind of more animal part of our human nature. And we're taught, maybe through religion and culturally, we're taught to try to transcend our sexual urges, to try to transcend our emotional responses in order to live in this more kind of serene, zen-like state, which is beautiful, which can actually lead to a very comfortable life. But evolution is not comfortable, right? So evolving as a human being has to do with evolving the most uncomfortable aspects of your being, right? Evolving with your sexuality, evolving with your emotional reactions. And this is essentially shadow work. So shadow work is illuminating the unconscious, illuminating the parts of yourself, which you've repressed or disowned. They're still there. They're just coming out through anxiety and depression and desires and obsessions and addictions and all these other things. When you start to look at the parts of yourself that have been repressed and sexuality just happens to be one of the biggest shadows that we collectively have, when we start to really look at that and pay attention to how we're moving with our sexual energy, it actually becomes a part of our 
wholeness, a part of our greater intelligence and a part of our spiritual experience. So saying that there's a thin line between spirituality and sexuality lets me know that you're aware that there's this kind of continuum of experience, right? I like to look at them as two almost opposites, like two sides of the same coin, but it's in a circle. The deeper you go into spirituality, the more that you connect to God and the divine, the more that you pray, the harder you go into those prayers, it becomes like this trance state, right? If you're really in spirituality, if you're in that experience of spirituality, it starts to become an embodied experience where you can feel energy moving inside you. You can feel the presence of God in your heart, in your wisdom of yourselves. Eventually, you're going to start to feel something really pleasurable, right? It's this wisdom of bliss that wakes up in you. And it's not sexual, meaning it's not this carnal sexual, but it has this blissful, pleasurable quality to it that's similar to the height of orgasm, right? The height of climax where you feel broken open and there's no control and you're just one with everything. So similarly, the deeper you go into the study of sexuality, the deeper you go into your experience of climax of orgasmic bliss, you're touching something that feels really similar to this divine light of God. And one of the things I love about Tantra is that it teaches us how to access both. There's no separation. So it teaches us how to surrender through prayer, which leads you to a state of feeling like you're in union with everything. And it teaches us to have a sense of completely letting go into the sexual experience so that you can connect your consciousness to the divine, to God, and actually bring your prayers into the act of sex and into your pleasure, which just kind of fuel your prayers to be more powerful. There's something that a lot of people don't know about me, and I don't share often, you know, because you had, actually, I was lucky that you coached me through some of this stuff but I can also use my mind to give myself an orgasm. And when I tell this to people, they're like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, I can send energy there. And it's like, boom, I don't share that with a lot of people. But I guess why I'm bringing this up is how do you know if you're having an awakening? And why do you feel some people have it and some people don't? That's a great question. And yes, it's very real being able to give yourself an orgasm with your intention. As you know, it's really different, right, than like a genital orgasm. You could feel it in your genitals, but it's like this full body waves of bliss that you can just barely maybe even squeeze your root lock or your perineum muscles. You can just kind of squeeze that into this bliss moving throughout your body. And that happens once you kind of broken yourself open. And it's amazing that trauma really does serve to wake us up, right? It shakes up the places where we've been locked into our patterns of comfort. And what happens is when we grow up, we go through challenging experiences and we kind of shut down around places that are challenging for us. Like I was talking about before, like we kind of close off to things we don't want to admit. We disown parts of ourselves. Trauma oftentimes shakes you up beyond your comfort. So it's like you're feeling things that you've taught yourself and trained yourself to not feel. And all that can be really overwhelming to people. And what I liken this to is if you turn on a high power hose, you turn on a fire hose and the hose has all these holes in it that haven't been patched up very well from old traumas, the water's going to come out in all different directions, right? It's like, oh my God, why am I feeling this? I feel like I'm going crazy. And this is something that I hear really frequently from people on the spiritual path, especially people working with 
sexual energy and with the quote shadow energy and working to kind of bring more energy into the system. The importance of healing the trauma and really looking at what's coming up alongside with having this expansion is so, so, so important because that's what we need in order to overcome it. Some people come into this world more sensitive, more intuitive, more in touch with the feelings of people around them. And most children come into this world with a certain amount of that, some more than others, obviously. And for some children, it's easier to shut that off than others. Some children, it's easy to fit into the school system. It's easy to be kind of indoctrinated into our culture. And it's like, oh, this person is easy to mold into what we think a successful human being should be. And then there's others, those are the artists, the musicians, the healers, oftentimes, who have a harder time fitting in and maybe feel things that most other people don't feel, have stronger reactions to energy, which can make it really hard to just sit still in class or to move through the world. So I think a lot of it is a constitutional thing. A lot of people have not successfully pushed down their sensitivity in childhood and are just a little bit more open naturally. And those are the people that are going to have this bigger experience and find it easier to kind of break through into this experience of either bliss or pain from ceremony, from working with plant medicines, from doing breath work or whatever that might be. Part of the reason why I started this podcast, Bridging Medicine and Spirituality, is because I did have that awakening and I was trained a certain way where everything had to make sense. So I really thought I was losing my mind (laughs) when my awakening happened. I was like, what is this? It's like you're experiencing love and bliss and then it's just anger and rage. And so being able to like bring myself into balance, hence the name Well Balanced 360 (laughs) as well. My awakening actually was a catalyst for this. And I do feel like more and more people are quote unquote on awakening and on a spiritual path. I feel like part of the reason the pandemic even happened was to, in a weird way, that destructive Shiva energy, as we say in Hinduism, because after that comes creation, right? right? So I feel like collectively the world is going through it. I guess what I wanted to ask you is with your work, And the business that you have, Pleasure as Medicine is what you call it. What do you feel is the most influential thing you've seen in people's lives with your work? I find that most people need a lot longer time in the intro stages of Tantra and yoga and breath work. So I think the most impactful thing is believing that it's okay to be a sexual being. Your Mm -hmm. body is good. It's okay to be in your body. It's so simple, but it's the permission to feel like embodiment is okay. And that I'll be safe if I stop trying to control everything with my mind. I work with a lot of women who have a hard time coming to climax And I find that one common thing a lot of these women have, not always, but often, is a fear of losing control. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense why it might be hard for that woman to climax. There's also a lot of belief that if they completely own their power, they're not going to be loved, right? The fear of abandonment. So I find that these two things, especially for women, and the way that we are taught to be, especially to be around men, right? The patriarchy is not something that 
is just the men benefit from and we experience the negative aspects of like patriarchal thinking it's in us as women we shut ourselves down because of what we're taught is okay we're given tons of examples of masculine power and not a lot of examples of what it means to be a woman in power feminine power is supposed to be like sexual allure and that's a small sliver of all that is woman power feminine power right my main focus is working with women. And I found that once we can get beyond the mind and release the shame that comes up, right, get the mind to fully accept that it's okay and actually a really good thing to experience pleasure in the body, then it's like the body just kind of follows suit and the body becomes way more open to having the experiences. It's like the mind has to get out of the way to let the body express and experience the power and the bliss and the pain and the everything that's possible for it. A deep part of Tantra is getting intimate with yourself. And what that means is deeper listening. So if you have a feeling, if you have a thought, if you have a reaction, getting curious, right? And saying, okay, where did this arise in my body? Where did this sensation arise in my body? Where do I feel it on physical level? Not just what does it mean? What does it make me think of? Why am I feeling this? Da, da, da. That's kind of the hamster wheel of making meaning of our sensations. And kind of step back a level and just look at the physical sensation. And just like with any meditation practice, it's really, really important to develop what we call the removed observer. So the ability to watch your thoughts and not be the one thinking them to witness them. When you're doing that, that's also the higher self is another way of saying the removed observer, the part of you that can watch what your mind is doing, right? And be curious about it instead of believe everything that your mind tells you. So when we take that awareness into the sensual or sexual or just intimate experience, either with yourself or with somebody else, you can learn a lot about, first of all, what you like and what you don't like, right? If you're only having sex to please your partner, which a lot of women say that they are, a lot of women don't have as much desire for sex on their own. They do it to please their partner. And that's their number one. And if that's been the way that you've been doing it your whole life, you're not even going to know what feels good to you. You're not going to know when you need to say no. And that's so important. Even if you're with a partner you've been with for five, 10 years, saying no to sex when you're just not ready, when you're just not open, when you're not feeling it is so important, right? And what happens if you don't say no? And if you let it happen, even some part of your intuition is a little bit resisting it. Mm -hmm. then it's going to start building up this kind of scar tissue, if you will, not technical, not literal physical scar tissue, but it's like a numbness that builds up between your mind and your body, where your body learns that it's actually not safe to trust your mind. And this makes you feel even less in touch with yourself. So there's so many different perspectives. There's so many different reasons why people come to a tantric coach or a healer helping them become more embodied. With that, there's different practices that can be kind of geared towards any desired outcome. And it's just important to understand, like, who are you, right? What is your past like? What are the beliefs, the experiences, the physical, what is the physical almost infrastructure of your body and your nervous system? And how is that responding to the world around you? And then if you want to work with, say, the chakras or the psychology and how that psychology reacts on a body level, which is how I like to look at the chakras, right? It's like different places that represent different levels of consciousness. We can really begin to become more aware why we react certain ways. 
and undo those reactions from the roots up. And the practice of pleasure and the trance state that you can access through movement, through breath work, through dance, through yoga, through sex, all this becomes part of the path of self-mastery. You can use these expanded states to learn more about yourself and then to kind of guide yourself deeper into pushing into your discomfort, right? Like pushing a little bit beyond your comfort levels with safety, with awareness to understand maybe it's safer for me to have a bigger experience of my body, of my sexuality, of my love and my capacity to give and receive love. And that's how this path is really a deep path of evolution. And where do you feel, if you do feel at all, plant medicine plays a role into this? I've been having this conversation a lot lately, and I love it because I really believe just like sex and spirit can be two sides of the same coin or, you know, have really similar energetics. One is embodied, like I say, sex is embodied spirituality and spirit is disembodied sexuality. And if so, plants and plant medicines, such as like hallucinogenic substances, allow us to have a spiritual experience where we feel more like when I've taken hallucinogenics before, oftentimes I'll feel like there's just more light inside of my being. I feel like there's light pouring out of my cells, right? I feel like literally illuminated sometimes. I feel like I'm glowing. And having a plant ally or a helper, right? A plant helper to get beyond the logical mind that says that's not possible for me to see God. It's not possible for me to have an orgasm just by thinking about it. It's not possible for me to feel anything beyond my small body. The plant medicine helps expand your awareness of reality. And this is so similar to the sexual state, right? It's so similar to what happens when we're deeply sensual is all of our senses are awakened. Color seems more colorful. Sounds and music seems more beautiful. Taste is more, everything is just more like, wow, what is this? And we forget how incredible everything is in our daily life. Because if we were so aware of every smell and taste, we would crash our car because we'd be distracted. <laughs> Plant medicines help resensitize us to experience more joy and just more sensation from the world around us. And sometimes not, <laughs> depending on what plant you sit with. True. Where you are in life. But absolutely yes, true. I, I completely agree with you. This may seem like a loaded question because you do so much incredible work with the different practices that you teach, but what would you say is your favorite thing to teach? I love teaching in group settings. Mm -hmm. I love teaching the eye gazing practice and the yab yum practice. It can be with strangers. It can be with partners. It could be with two women, two men, mother, daughter, father, son, like the eye gazing practices breathing together with somebody, sitting in front of each other and maintaining eye contact. And what happens here, and the reason why this is one of my favorite practices to teach is because so much can come out from such a simple practice. Tears, memories, seeing the beauty in somebody who you might not necessarily have seen that in right off the bat. Seeing the pain in somebody just from looking in their eyes, somebody you don't even know, like this beautiful level of human connection that we miss out on when we're relating to the world through social media half the time. We're walking down the street and not even making eye contact with strangers. I have felt such incredible power from the eye gazing practice. And 
the yab yum practice is a step further with that. It's when if so, if it's man and woman practicing together, it would be the woman, generally speaking, sits in the lap of the man and it's an embrace. So the woman's legs are kind of wrapped around the man and his legs are sitting on the floor in a cross-legged position and they're embracing and breathing together. And I think this is a really, really powerful practice because it helps take away some of the stigma around sexuality and some of the stigma around connecting our bodies in this intimate way where it can be such a peaceful experience and not like, oh my God, my mind has been trained that when this part of my body is this close to somebody else, then that means sex is going to happen. So I'm going to let my head go off into this tangent about all my fantasies and my desires. It's like, well, can you just sit still and breathe? And what happens when we basically rein all of this kind of mental desire energy in and just feel what's happening in the body, things get really still. And it's like all that outward sexual energy draws inward and you feel the power of two beings just breathing together. You kind of feel like the layers of separation are removed. You're just one being breathing together. And that's really helpful for anyone who's had like sexual addictions and or sexual trauma where they don't feel safe with somebody of the opposite sex. Usually it's like really, really good for safety and reigning in the sexual energy that wants to like penetrate or capture the other person, right? It's a really mature way, I think, of working with sexual energy. What would you say are some of your challenges with the work that you do? The biggest challenge is people's mind, people saying that they really want something and being terrified to let go of their identity because inevitably with any kind of awakening, the ego is going to have to go through a certain death, right? And the term ego death is scary to people because it's like, well, who will I be on the other side of this? I don't know who I'm going to be without this control, right? I've become the CEO of my company holding this control. What will I be without it? Will I live on the street? Or like, I'm afraid of waking up my sexual energy because what if I want to leave my partner? What if I realize that I'm not being satisfied? It's like people are so afraid to shake up their lives and for good reason. But coming to this work in the first place, I think is a sign that you're ready for some kind of shift. It's just once you're in, once you're meeting with me or the practitioner, how much are you actually willing to do the practices? Discipline is huge, patient compliance. How much do you really want it? How much are you willing to not let the session be the extent of the experience and actually take what you've learned and apply it to your life? So just like with plant medicines, you can go and have a ceremony. You can have a beautiful experience and see all these things and then just go back to your life and live it the same way. And that is, you just wasted a lot of money. Same thing with a session, doing sessions with people. If they don't embody the transmission, then it's really hard to work with people who aren't willing to do the work. So I think that's the biggest obstacle for sure. And if somebody wanted to start working with their sexual energy with themselves or with their partner, and they kind of didn't know where to start, whether it was tantric yoga, breath work, or some other means, what advice would you give that person on where to start and who to look for? I think yoga is a wonderful place to start because it's not threatening, generally speaking. It's not as threatening to the sense of self. 
as more sexual practices can be and even breath work can be. Getting a different experience of your body through moving with your breaths and learning how to stay calm under pressure in yoga classes. You're holding this crazy position and you're supposed to just breathe and have a calm face. That can really teach you to override your nervous system response that wants to freak out and run. So that's a really helpful way to start. From there, I think breath work is the next best thing to do. Again, to start learning that it's possible to control your experience through your breath, to control your thoughts to a certain extent, to control what you might do when you're uncomfortable. A lot of people reach for their vice. They reach for pleasure or something to distract themselves, their phone, some food, the TV. They want to text somebody. Learning how to use your breath to overcome discomfort. And then the height of the practices, the practices that are only supposed to be taught once somebody has really mastered their mind and their kind of nervous system fight or flight reaction is the sexual practices. Obviously, if you're with a partner, if you're having sex frequently with your partner, you might not want to wait that long to start trying some sexual practices. But I will say that if two partners start going to yoga classes together, and make love right after yoga class. Like, wow, it's such a different experience to have sex after yoga. (laughs) Have you ever tried having sex after yoga? It's amazing. (laughs) You don't have to answer that. Or even doing yoga, meditating together and being intimate, sexually intimate after you've connected just by breathing, just by eye gazing, things like that can be a really great way to open a different experience. It can be challenging at first, because it feels a little awkward. You're like, uh, hey, babe, you want to look at me for a while before we have sex? You know, it can feel awkward. But just getting started and making a ritual out of it, it's like once a week we do this practice, is a great way to begin. And then after a certain point, you're inevitably going to run into some challenges or some places where you don't totally understand where to go next or what to do with certain things that are coming up. And that would be the time to reach out to a practitioner. And is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners that I didn't cover? There's so much, (laughs) so much else. (laughs) What do you feel is like really important for them to gather through this conversation? (laughs) I think something that really drives my passion towards working with what I call Tantra, which is very misunderstood. But Tantra is basically, I like to look at it as at least the way that I was taught it and the way that I practice it is it's a self-healing technique. It's a philosophy of self-healing. And the original intention was for enlightenment, right? And in our world, enlightenment might not be your goal, but becoming a better human could be your goal, right? It's really simple. Having more satisfying relationships, being more effective in the work that you do in the world, having better sex, absolutely. And just feeling more connected to people and to the world around you. And so some of these practices are really about getting past yourself, getting over your judgments of yourself and of other people. All of us have trauma. Shadow work is trauma work, right? All of us have trauma. Trauma can even be your cousin when you're five telling you you look fat in your shorts, whatever, like little things. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. For a lot of people, unfortunately, it is but it doesn't have to look like what you think trauma should look like. It's anything that has happened in your life that makes you question your worth, that makes you question your value, your beauty, your ability to be loved. And it kind of lodges in you like a splinter, right? And over time, it's like that splinter might develop 
a layer of skin over it might get red and inflamed and over time it just kind of stays there for a long period of time to we're adults and we don't even realize we're still functioning with the same coping mechanisms we had as children and so the practice of looking at the most uncomfortable aspects of your being really is about wholeness it's about coming into wholeness in who you are about letting something as edgy i'll say as sexuality be a part of your practice that alone takes a lot of courage if you're making a practice around sexuality and letting it be a part of your practice so that you can experience more life in your life mm-hmm. experience more vibrancy more vitality in your body and so if you're coming at any kind of sexual or sensual or tantric or even yogic practices with that intention and you remember that's your intention you can get through anything because even pain can serve to burn away bullshit that's in your way of really feeling life right and pain over a long period of time shows up as restrictions both in physical movement how much you can move around is limited by your physical structure and it's said that any limitations in your physical being are going to limit your degree of soulfulness or limit the degree to which your soul can actually express through you so i just see sexual energy as not even necessarily having to do with sex definitely penetration is one small tiny little part of what sexual energy is sexual energy is actually just your primal life force energy that's flowing through you at all times the more of it you have available to you the more life you have to live i want to encourage people to get over the stigma about what sexuality is what sexual energy is and what it has to look like and instead look at it in terms of their aliveness and then from that perspective being willing to ask yourself is your sexual energy something that has been withheld are you holding it back is it leaking out in ways that aren't totally serving you or your relationship and then from there like what is possible on the other side of it is a level of comfort in yourself comfort in your body and comfort in your physical expression to where it's like nothing's holding you back anymore and that's the liberation i think tantra is really about liberation liberating yourself from the restriction of your own fear and your own ego That's beautiful and you do such incredible work not just with women but even couples. And mm-hmm. so, where can people find you? Yeah, I love working with couples. It's really fun. But I have a website. It's miriamelise.com. I have my Instagram is pleasure as medicine and I offer discovery calls on my website. So if anybody is listening to this wants to chat, I'm happy to talk at no cost to answer questions or to see if you'd work well with me if we'd work well together i'm happy to connect with people well thank you so much miriam this was such an awesome conversation i'm sure everyone's going to love it <laughs> yeah thank you so much for inviting me it was really fun thank you for listening to this episode of the well balanced 360 podcast i'm truly grateful for all of you and excited to have you join me on this health and wellness journey please be sure to stay connected with me over at drshivaniamin.com or any of my social media platforms. If you found this episode to be helpful, I would truly appreciate it if you would also hit that subscribe button and make sure to tell all your friends so you don't miss any future episodes. I'll catch you next week.